Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub on Connection Loop. This is our podcast, and this really gives us a phenomenal opportunity to speak and network with people all around the world, with entrepreneurs and with founders and with really communicators and storytellers. So I have on the call Jeffrey, and Jeffrey has a very diverse background. He's done a lot of great things within education and teaching and casting information. So Jeffrey, I want to pass the mic to you. I just want to sort of understand a little bit about yourself. I want to understand what TeacherCast is, and then we'll get into it. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Ruben, for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Uh, just a little bit of background on myself. I've been an, an educator for the last 18 years, got myself started in music education, and I am the proud father of almost six-year-old triplets, and they are the love of my life. Eight years ago, I started a podcasting network called the TeacherCast Educational Network, where we serve the classroom by basically connecting the ed tech companies to those educators who are using the technology. And I've been doing it for the last eight years and have done well over a thousand podcasts. And it's been absolutely a blast getting a chance to meet so many different great companies and educators and having a chance to work with them every single day. That's incredible. So you're really an early adopter in the whole podcast movement. I mean, you've done almost a thousand podcasts. That's pretty incredible. I've done almost seven. <laughs> You know, when I first started podcasting, education hadn't quite learned what a podcast is and what it can do for the classroom. I always say that we've kind of gone through three amazing waves of podcasts over the last eight years. You know, you first had Google Hangouts, which got big. And then a couple of years later, you had things like Periscope and Blab, which got big. And notice I'm mentioning like free applications, which is an education, what we like to use. And then recently we have things like Anchor and, and other free platforms that are allowing not only, you know, educators to get into podcasting, but also to have the whole use of audio and video really being used and shared in the classroom as a learning opportunity for students. It is absolutely a blast getting a chance to work with teachers on how to podcast and where to find great information. I was really brought to podcasting because I think for a couple of reasons. Number one is that you know, I love to network. I love to speak to people. I love to learn. I love to develop relationships on calls just like this one. But I was experiencing a frustration point where, you know, if I had a great conversation and that conversation was private, that I wasn't able to kind of distribute or share whatever it is that I learned with people. I always said to myself after I had a call, wow, that was really educational. I really learned from that. I wish other people could know about that. And I sort of kept it to myself. And then if I had an opportunity at a future date, I would say, oh, so-and-so person mentioned that you should use X, Y, and Z. And rarely did I remember that and so on and so forth. So really, I think why I love podcasting is because it's just a way to kind of feed two burns with one seed. Number one is that you get to network, you get to develop that relationship, mm. create content, but then you just get to share it, disseminate it, and have other people benefit from it. And I think the, the tertiary benefit from it that I've sort of realized is that it's, it's an amazing brand lifter. It is. You know? <laughs> and you said the right word. It's a conversation. You know, and, and I say this to all of my guests before we hit the record button. No matter how many shows I've ever recorded, I've never once felt like I was interviewing anybody. It's always a conversation. And when you look at it as that conversation, it's just like going out to dinner with somebody. You're having you know, a, a back and forth dialogue. 
And I feel that it really puts your guests at ease. They don't feel like they're on and they're able to share a lot more. I mean, TeacherCast really started because I had teachers in my school district asking me questions about how to use educational technology. And, you know, I've got some answers, but I certainly didn't have all of them. So I invited somebody on and we hit the record button. And next thing you know, the TeacherCast podcast was created. And it was just a way to bring other people into a conversation and you record it. And then from there, you know, hundreds of ed tech companies and working with Microsoft and working with Dell and HP and all these other places. It's been absolutely a blast. And as you said, you're getting a chance to network and you're getting a chance to, you know, not only build your own brand, but you're helping others build your brand together. That's awesome. I'm actually on the TeacherCast website right now. So it's teachercast.net. Mm-hmm. And then how do we find your podcast? <laughs> oh, if you go over to teachercast.net slash subscribe, you can find everything. We've got a few different shows out there. I, I do one for people who want to podcast called Educational Podcasting Today. And really for that, we speak to teachers who want to bring things into their classrooms and really create podcasts in their home studio. And our, our whole mission for that show is can you podcast for free? And I try to come up with a yes for all those. But, you know, I do shows for technology coaches. I do shows with vendors. Um, we should do a show called Ed Tech in the Classroom where I bring great companies on and we talk about how their products can be used. There's a lot of different things that TeacherCast has kind of taken me down that road. And you can always just go over to teachercast.net and you know really find whatever you're looking for very cool so you're a family guy so what is that like how do you juggle all this i mean i see in this video that your door is closed behind you maybe that's a closet maybe it's not so what happens when the kids come running to your door slamming on the door and want to get your attention how do you handle that i'll tell you how i handle it on my end <laughs> well every door has a lock um <laughs> Look, Both I, metaphorically I, and literally yes you know i am the proud father of, of almost six-year-old triplets it is a blast. You know, we podcast together probably once or twice a month. And when I say podcast, you know, I turn on my iPod and I ask them questions. You know, what did you do at school today? What do you like to eat? What's your thoughts on this TV show? Just because I want to get them talking, I want to get them to have conversations, not only with me, but with each other. So we're actually at the point now where they can pretend that they're the host of the show and we do the Robert show or we do the Christopher show. And it is absolutely an amazing experience to watch the kids grow up using the technology. You know, we play Legos, we do a lot of stuff. I mean, to be honest with you, one of the things that we like to do is we do little dub videos and then we send them to the grandparents. That way the grandparents get the little animated graphics on their emails. <laughs> it's one of those things that we like to do. And, you know, having kids at this age is, is really, really awesome. That's very cool. So have you considered publishing those podcasts and actually making them real? You know, no, because they're not polished. You know, we might talk for 15 minutes and it just kind of goes around in circles. I can see one day doing a show with them. You know, if you look around the podcasting space, Pat Flynn just launched a show with his little boy. And it's, it's a great little show, basically just talking about what are you doing today? I could see that, but not at five years old. They're not there yet. I mean, we're doing audio and we're sending them to family members. I started recording some videos of my kid just sort of explaining what he's working on and some of his science projects and Legos and the things that he's building. He's a great builder. I guess he gets that from me a little bit. <laughs> but what he started to do is that he started to explain and give narration for his videos. In this video, I'm going to be teaching you how to create this Lego. So obviously yeah. he's emulating what he's seeing on the internet. He doesn't watch too much. We give him a little bit of screen time. But you know, he's taken on this sort of micro personality of being this, you know, video educator. So, you know, I've been sort of thinking about it. I've been contemplating. And of course, I've asked him, 
hey, do you want us to create a channel for you? Do you want a YouTube show? Do you want a website? Do you want a podcast? And, you know, the answers have been more than not. It's been, yes, I want to do that. So we've been kind of poking around and fooling around. And it's pretty amazing that at such an early age now, kids can adopt technology to educate, to communicate. I mean, what were we doing at that age? I was probably on a bike somewhere, right? I was playing with He-Man and Voltron, I think, back then. <laughs> I mean, my kids love playing on the iPad. They use an app called Toontastic, which is a Google application that basically is all about storytelling. They love doing that. And, you know, it's not going to be too long before we really put, you know, technology behind them and see what they can do. They love watching cookie videos and baking videos. And, you know, I could see doing something again, publishing it for the world. I'm not sure yet, but definitely sending it to grandma and grandpa. You know, it's content creation. Well, speaking of content creation, I mean, one of the things that I instantly get from you is this, and it's obviously from all your experience, but you know, you're instantly comfortable, confident, you're able to communicate, you know, you freeform very well in the audio video format. One of the things that we always hear about from people that are just onboarding themselves to the whole idea of video communication and video marketing and using video for sales is that they simply don't feel comfortable. You know, I feel like an imposter. I'm not comfortable. This is what influencers do on the internet. This is not for me. You know, they do a thousand takes. I've had people send me videos where you can tell it's their 15th take and they're still saying um, a thousand times they're not comfortable. They're looking yeah. down. So I think you get it. How can people become more comfortable, more confident on camera? You know, one of the things that I like to encourage every podcaster to do is edit their own shows. And so many times you see a podcaster say, oh, you know, I have somebody else that edits it for me. And I always say, great, if you can afford it, go for it. That's awesome. But take the time to edit your show maybe once a month, once every other month. Kind of get a chance to hear your own self speak. I know a lot of podcasters that don't even listen to their own shows. And we only learn from listening to ourselves. And we only learn by kind of going back and hearing where we are. I always kind of, you know, when you were saying that I was going back to the Jerry Seinfeld, there's two things that people are scared of. The first one is public speaking and the second one is death. And his thing is he'd rather be the guy in the casket than the guy giving the eulogy. We are all public speakers, you know, and again, my <coughs> niche is, is education. You'd be surprised at how many times I ask a teacher if they want to come on the show and they say, oh, I, I'm not a good speaker. I'm going, you are a speaker, like you're a paid public speaker. <laughs> And I think this again goes back to me saying, you know, it's a conversation. And if you do a solo show, it's a conversation with the audience. It's a conversation with yourself and the audience. Or if you're doing a show like, you know, like you and I, you know, pinging off of each other, this is just a great conversation. Confidence is always there. Being prepared. If you're starting off as a podcaster, my suggestion is always script the beginning, script the ending. Once you get to show number 20, 30, somewhere in there, I said, you know, bullet points, the top and the bottom. At this point, I've been doing it so long, I know where I want to go with conversations and we just kind of flow through everything. The biggest thing is, you know, it takes a while to learn how to do the craft. It takes a while to get some self-confidence. And the more you do it, the more prepared you're going to be. They always say that the average podcast lasts only eight episodes. And I have to think a lot of that is because we're self-conscious of what we're looking for. We're not sure how we want to go. And talking is a hard thing. 
Yeah, well, that's so true. I mean, I'm sort of inspired because I think that if people can realize that the technology and everything out there is so easily accessible and and it's free, frankly, mm-hmm. that there can be so many more conversations and just so much more education, so much more intelligence that can be shared with people. Because, you know, the things that we find on the Internet and on YouTube, I mean, they're great. And, you know, I'm on them every day. But it's those conversations between people kind of like this one where it's those niches and it's those nuances of information that people can gather. And you just have to stick with it and you got to, you know, stay tuned, right? It's storytelling. That's all it is. I'm here to tell your story on my show. You're here to tell yours, you know, whatever it is. It's all about storytelling. And if you kind of keep that in mind, it's no different than putting your kids to bed and having them say, Daddy, tell me a story. And you're making up the next Iron Man, Captain America adventure ad lib. And it's a great thing. I love doing it. So what is your story? What is your true founder story, your riskiest story? What is your path? How'd you end up where you are now? I'm a music teacher. Um, I was a music teacher for 15 years and I was conducting orchestras all around New Jersey, Pennsylvania. I had a few opera companies that I was working with up in New York while also taking my master's degree. And you never forget that moment where your wife basically comes out and says, it's time. And you realize very quickly that you can't be running hundreds of miles in every direction when it's time to have kids. And as a performer, I have that urge. I need to perform. Like I look at podcasting as kind of performance art. Like you're doing something to get a reaction out of your guest or to get a another click or another download or to get somebody to sign up for your newsletter, whatever it is, right? It's a performance art. So you never forget when your wife says it's time to put away your childish toys and stay at home a little more. And because I was a performer, I said I need to do something where I interact with people. I was no longer able to be a conductor, no longer able to be interacting with orchestras and opera and all these different things. Enter podcasting. Every time I turn on the recording, I'm in front of my orchestra. I'm sitting here in front of three monitors. There's my violins, my cellos, and my brass Mm, section right front. And just like what we're doing now, I have to listen. I have to lead. I have to follow. And all of these things are revolving around um, I'm using my hands and I'm guiding technology. We were talking a little bit earlier about doing like live broadcasting and stuff. This has become my orchestra, and I wish I was the one that coined the phrase at first, but the, you know, somebody had said a teacher cast is kind of like a symphony of educators, and I'm like, mm. I wish I said that. But that's really my origin story with TeacherCast is it came out of literally being a musician. My master's degree is, is in conducting. Podcasting wow. is just an extension of all of that. It's interesting how many things you can take from the stage into the recording studio. And I love being able to, again, work with these things. Here's the difference here. And I'll tell you why I don't ever want to say I like podcasting more than I like conducting, but I will never, ever be able to speak to Mozart and I'll never, ever be able to speak to Beethoven and say, what did you mean by that piece of music? But here I am talking to the founder and the creator of an amazing technology. And I'm going to say, how did you intend for people to use that? And after they're using it in a different way, how did you change the way your company changed? You'll never be able to look at Beethoven and say, you know, after that trumpet player played the phrase, would you ever want to write something different? So I love the fact that with podcasting, I'm able to reach out to these people and again, make the connections, but it's more than networking. It really is that creatorship of, I want to ask you questions and say, how did you make this? And why did you choose this? And what was the reasoning behind all this? And I love those questions. Again, I'll never talk to Leonard Bernstein. 
<laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think one of the reasons why I connected to you is because you're a personality and you're a thought leader. You know, even on the TeacherCast website, I'm learning about you. I'm learning about Jeff. And I really connect to that because my whole thesis now is that people are the new brands. It's really not my thing. I've been hearing this and I've been believing this and a lot of people are talking about it. Big companies, big blue chip companies, Fortune 500 companies now are trying to associate themselves with personalities, with people. I mean, there's whole idea of an influencer or a thought leader. Really what it means is that it's a person. It's a human being with a story that's gone through some journey and now is doing something or representing something. And, you know, I always try to inspire people to, you know, put yourself out there. There's no such thing as being private anymore. Everything is sort of accessible now. You know, put your bio on your site put a photo of yourself, put a video about your origin story, it will make people connect to your brand and to your company and it'll help you grow, frankly. So I really appreciate how you've done that. Thank you. And that, for that reason, when you look on my bio page, it's a picture of the kids. They're in costume, which gives that cute factor. But I love talking about my story. I mean, that's why when you look on jeffreybradbury.com, the first thing you see is my TED Talk. And the whole TED Talk is about the kids and how they were born and all the struggles that we have went through of you know, going through a premature triplet birth at only 25 weeks. There's a lot of stuff to that backstory and that all puts into every single recording that you do and every single company that you work with and how you move forward with it. Your story is amazing. Everybody's story is amazing. And it's just about how are we going to tell that story? TED Talk. Amazing. Did not know this. Very cool. I can't wait to watch this. I'm staring right at the YouTube video. What was your talk about? You know, the conversation was really around inspiring greatness, taking risks and giving rewards. That was really the topic for doing the TED Talk. And at that point in time, it was 2016. My kids were three years old and one of them was still living in the hospital. And I couldn't think of a better topic and one to easily talk about than the journey that my wife and I had been on from having triplets they were 25 weeks early. The night of, one of my kids was helicoptered into Delaware, and suddenly you're thrusted from a normal day to you're a father. You've got two kids in Atlantic City. You have another kid in Delaware, and your life is now different. And all of that stuff, I can completely trace back and say, I don't think my life would be the same without TeacherCast, without the podcast. And I know that because of, you know, if it wasn't for the podcast, I know I wouldn't have three kids here. And that's kind of the whole spirit of the TED Talk of if it wasn't for me doing this, my wife and I would have been in different spots in the world. Her water still would have broke. And I'm not guaranteed that I would have had three kids survive that night. But because of the podcast, we were all in the right spot at the right time in a completely different hospital than we were hoping for. And we were put into a trajectory that, you know, baby boy B was not living with us for about three and a half to four years. And it's been an amazing, amazing ride. And, you know, here we are. They're almost six years old and they're all home with us now. There's this quote that I love, which I actually heard, I think it was uh, on a Joe Rogan podcast, but it's a Confucius quote, actually. And Confucius said, he says, you know, we have two separate lives. The second starts when we realize we only have one. And, you know, what I'm hearing from you is that you're on your purpose. You're pursuing what you're passionate about, what you were destined to do. But the irony is that that's not what you started out doing. You started out as a music composer getting your master's. But through the universe and through serendipity, you ended up where you are. And, you know, a lot of people don't have that gift. I hear about this constantly where people are still searching for themselves. And, of course, you know, all who search are not necessarily lost. But it still takes everyone a different amount of time and a different path. So what sort of advice can you people that haven't necessarily found what it is that they want to do and what it is that they want to pursue in their lives and how they can get there? 
my only advice that I give to people is keep moving forward. You know, I'm in a weird spot right now with teacher cast where there's so much upside to it. And yet I'm in a spot where it's still one podcast at a time. So even though you're looking light years ahead into where you want to take the website, the channel, your brand, all those different things. And I'm planning for that. It's still always what is that thing in front of you? How can you best be prepared for tomorrow? I am a firm believer that you never know what's going to happen today. Again, always go back to there I was and suddenly I was a dad calling 911, getting an ambulance to show up to some hotel in Atlantic City, right? You never know what's in front of you. So always be prepared for it. And, you know, my quote that I always love is if you think you can or can't, you're probably right. And so I've never had a day where I've woken up and said, I don't think this is possible. It's just a matter of put your mind to it and do it. And if something knocks you down, great, keep going. Figure out what you're going to do. It's just kind of my thing. I never started TeacherCast to one day work with Microsoft, to one day be a public speaker. Or so. I did it to help out my community. And just to kind of tie in the TED Talk, what you don't realize is that when you're out there trying your hardest to help your community, one day you realize that you're the one that needs some help. And the next thing you know, your community actually turns and starts helping you. So you never know what you're actually building because you could just be building the one thing that's going to save your triplets. Incredible. Great advice. I want to talk about public speaking for a little bit. So I'm very new to all of these realms, public speaking, podcasting. You know, I've always been in a film production, video production. I actually went to film school. It was like a six week program. Uh, My core, I'm a technologist as a marketer as well. But I think a lot of people want to get into public speaking um, for, I think, obvious reasons. So give us some pointers on you know, how we can be better speakers, how we can be a TEDx speaker. Oh, how do you become a TEDx speaker? That's an easy one. You ready for this? You know the person who's doing the presentations. And okay. that person just happens to be your co-host. And when she says, would you like to join my TED talk? You go, yes. Um, <laughs> Not going to lie, that's how I landed the TED gig, was a friend of mine was putting it together and, and asked. As far as public speaking goes, I like to watch a lot of Shark Tank. I like to watch a lot of pitch videos. I like to watch a lot of those kinds of things. And when I say I watch, I really like to study that stuff. And I'm studying it from an educational point of view, but I'm also studying it from the marketing point of view. You know, any entrepreneur or entrepreneur, I should say, always has that 60 second pitch in the back of their head. And what's a 60 second pitch? It's four, 15 seconds. Who are you? What's the problem you're trying to solve? How are you solving it? How do you find me? And if you look at Shark Tank, they have a minute or two and every single pitch is the same way. What's the problem? How am I trying to solve it? And if you look at all the good TED Talks, they start off and they keep that same formula. They start with a story. The story goes into a problem. They give a solution. And at the end, it's always let's move forward together. And in education, we call that a lesson plan. Here's what was happening. Here's how we're going to get through it. Here's your homework. See you tomorrow. It's that simple formula. I also, and I'm not kidding about this, I watch a lot of wrestling. And the key to being a good public speaker and a good presenter is to know the ins and outs of how to give a good wrestling promo. Because every single wrestler knows one thing. They know how to stand up and sell that next pay-per-view. I'm going to do this because this person did me wrong. Don't forget to pay your money next Saturday at WrestleMania. It's that same formula over and over again. And when you start to look at it that way, you can say, oh, well, my podcast is now going to look in that format. And if you kind of craft your podcast in that format, you realize that not only are you entertaining people, you're talking them through the conversation, but you're also going to find that people are going to see you at the end of the show because they know that that's where the payoff is coming of 
How do I find? How do I get? How do I get more? Whatever the situation is on that. So I'm a big believer in these formulas. And even when I give my workshops, which are sometimes three or four hours, or when I give just an hour long, you know, a keynote presentation, it's always in that same formula of we're here for a reason because we want to be transformed. We're here to learn something. Here's how we're going to learn it together. Let's do something. And then now that we've learned it, how do we move forward and how do we support each other together? And, you know, like I said, I kind of watch a lot of Shark Tank, but it's that same formula of the more you do and the more you study and the more you look at this from a scientific point of view is great. I'm also a big fan of of watching shows like Bar Rescue because, you know, I don't know if you've seen Bar Rescue. I have not. Bar Rescue is one of those awesome shows. You know, the typical reality show, somebody comes in, sees a failing bar. How do you fix it? Got it. But he does it from the scientific point of view. I'm putting this chair here because scientifically it's going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm putting this bar, I'm putting the lighting here, whatever I'm doing, there's a reason for it. And that reason is to generate interest, income, conversation, whatever it is. So how do you take those principles that are being used in the bar business, in the restaurant business, in the marketing business? How do you put those into your class? So that way your kids are saying are staying awake long enough. And how do you put that into your podcast? So that way your audience comes long enough. And from your point of view, how do you put that into a 60 second video that you're going to use in an email marketing campaign to get people to come back and like, know, and trust you? And those are all things that it takes a little bit of time. And if anybody ever wants to check that out, you can always find me over on TeacherCast on Twitter or anything like that. And I'd be happy to talk about those conversations because I love this stuff and I love seeing people succeed. Cool. TeacherCast on Twitter. Very cool. You mentioned you have some questions for me about Dub, about my sort of gig. What do you got? Well, you know, the biggest thing that I'm looking for and I think your audience is looking for is when it comes to being an entrepreneur, when it comes to taking that step, what are some of the risks that you guys have run into and how are you succeeding with it? Well, I think very similar to your career path and that of most, you know, it's been a very nonlinear ride for me and for us as a startup. When Dub started out, it actually started out years ago, and it was something extremely different. It was actually a way to connect with freelancers in a sort of local, kind of close to you by situation where you there's a photographer or if there's some sort of performer, you could actually hire them and then you could pay on the app. It was essentially a freelancer marketplace, believe it or not. And we raised some money for that iteration, for that concept um, from investors, and we had built this kind of early prototype. And it was really a nightmare because it was this two-sided marketplace. We had to acquire talent and then we had to go buy buyers. And the unit economics was terrible. We couldn't figure out how to crack it. But what he had known early on was that, you know, if we can allow people to use video to communicate, to pitch themselves, to share their stories, that that's going to increase conversion rates from an e-commerce perspective. So we built out this platform, the system, and it was not great, but we had this specific technology, you know, around video that had all this potential. So, you know, we as a startup, we sort of went through all these iterations and we figured out what the hell we were going to do. And then finally we said, okay, well, you know, who really needs video is it's job seekers. So I think the earliest iteration of dub as a video platform was for job seekers. So here I am, I'm looking for a job. 
I want to pitch myself. I want to give a visual representation of my resume, of my bio. And that's what it was. The problem with that is that people that are looking for jobs, they don't really have money at, at that moment to spend. They're not going to get a subscription. And it's a finite amount of time that they're going to spend during that process. So once they do get a gig, they don't need this tech per se. They're out, right? So it was sort of a non-sticky, non-monetizable situation. And then we sort of realized, okay, well, we're sitting on something. We were using the product ourselves as a small, medium-sized business, trying to communicate, trying to onboard, trying to sell, trying to fundraise, trying to develop relationships. And then we realized, okay, well, this is really intended for sales and marketers. Mm-hmm. And that's when we decided to kind of, you know, build out the tech. You know, I had sort of an early pilot program with a larger company where we saw some success, saw some conversions. And then, you know, we got a couple of opportunities to just really scale up our user base. And, you know, of course, since day one, we've had a freemium model. So most of the people on Dub are actually on the free account. Now it's functional and it's good, but there are some limitations. But then there are the other folks that have that get to use all the kind of advanced features that kind of really tap into that early thesis that, you know, businesses, if they can communicate with video, they're going to solve a lot of problems specific to conversions, communication, trust building and so forth. I think what we can take away from both your story and my story here, if anybody's looking for something to pull from today, it's don't be afraid to pivot. Yeah. You know, if you search on TeacherCast, if you search on Apple Podcasts, you know, we've got shows on podcasting, we've got shows on tech coaching, we've got shows on ed tech, we've got a lot of different things. And I'll stop right there and say, when I say we, it's just me doing all this stuff. I have a habit of talking actually in third person. Everything on TeacherCast is totally homegrown on this. But it's because don't be afraid to pivot, right? Like you found something that you like doing, you found a concept, but it wasn't quite there. So let's take a slight left turn or let's take a drastic left turn. And you find that the best companies are doing that. I mean, look at the stuff that's happening right now up in Redmond. They're majorly going on a left turn and doing it because they need to. They're adding all these different features. Office 365 is doing really well. Windows is doing really well. But that's completely based off the fact that they needed to make a couple left turns. Even our friends in Cupertino, they're doing something and then suddenly the next thing you know, left turn and we've got a new mapping system or we're adding this feature to the iPhone because it needs to. Don't be afraid to make left turns and don't be afraid to say, okay, this kind of worked, but don't, you know, let's try something completely different. Always ask your audience. Your audience is really what it's going to be there for anyway. Yeah. Well, I think the challenge though, in that is that the time that it takes to go through that pivoting process, the lives that are lost, so to speak, the money that it takes, you know, the runway or lack of runway that exists on the path, the, you know, sort of challenges that you have interpersonally with the people that are around you that maybe want to give up on you. Maybe they don't, you know, it, that process, that to me is, I think what really differentiates true sort of entrepreneurs, the people that can somehow get through all that process, because whatever it is that you're thinking of right now, my theory is that 99.9% of the time, that's not what it is that you're going to do, whether it's in your career or whether it's a startup or a tech that you're building or even art that you're creating. At some point, you're going to go through this evolution process because that's just how the universe works. But getting through that, that's the hard part, you know, and whatever it is that I think people need to do to ensure that. And that really is a personal thing, you know, in terms of how much risk you want to take. You know, I have my war stories on that process because it, you know, it takes years. I think when we're looking at being an entrepreneur, starting a business, no matter what the focus is, I always have to take a step back with all my decisions and go, no matter what, 
I'm in the people business. I'm here to help other people. Is what I'm doing for me or is what I'm doing for other people? And it took me a long time to figure stuff out like that. But that's one of the reasons why if you look at teachercast.net right now and you're looking up at the top, it says very clear, I need help with. And I'm pretty big for that. I need help with integrating technology. I need help with recording my podcast. And I've found that by switching that philosophy of I'm here to provide the answers to a question that somebody else has, that whole like, know, and trust thing just absolutely skyrockets. I mean, you and I came together because I had a need. I had a need to better market, to better, <coughs> to better to communicate, all those different things. You have a fantastic platform that is transforming the way I'm doing business with my educators. We're all in that people business. And whether it be reading a blog post, listening to a podcast, watching a tutorial, or getting an email, we're all in that business of how can we transform somebody's life in that split moment or over a series of time. And when you really get down to it, we're, you know, it's why it says in the top of the website, it's a place for teachers to help other teachers. I've always been about that. And I think, you know, if everybody needs to be looking at it going, we're all here to help out each other and we're all in this together. But at the same time, we all have special skills. So let's figure out how we can help each other. I want to help teachers. I want to get Dub into the education arena. You know, my wife used to be a teacher um, at a place called Making Waves up north. It was a nonprofit and she actually taught math, which is great. And, you know, we're going now through the process of teaching our son. You know, we're in Kumon and we're constantly teaching him stuff, always showing him videos, in fact. Mm-hmm. And dub is not really used in the education segment. It's really for, you know, SMBs. It's for kind of solopreneurs. How do we do that? What do we got to do? Oh, wow. That's a hard one. That sounds like a longer conversation. Um, <laughs> I will leave you with that and that little seed because maybe we can, you know, reconnect in six months or a year from now. And by then I can have developed something specific to, you know, the education arena towards teachers. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. Really, what is it that we're doing when we create these videos, these screen or webcam videos? We're educating, we're teaching people, you know? So to be able to use the dub platform within that industry would really excite me. And I think really have some social good. I totally agree. Yeah. So how do you use dub? Well, I started using dub to, you know, my onboarding sequence, you know, and I love the notifications to it because as soon as somebody gets signed up for my email address, my phone goes off and I can see that they've hit that first sequence. They've hit that second sequence. And right now what's live on my marketing is my intro sequence. And I'm trying to tweak things a little bit to see how I can influence those newbies that are coming in, those cold leads to kind of go from one of my couple of different, I've got five or six funnels, depending on if you're a teacher, a librarian, tech coach, whatever. So I'm using it right now for that. At the same time, I'm actually taking this summer and I'm crafting a series of short videos that eventually I'm going to be uploading into the dub system and using that throughout my email marketing. So Working right now through applications like Final Cut, Camtasia, all my different email applications, I'm coming up with a series where if you want to learn how to do Google Apps, here's your 15-week email course, and each of the videos is going to be done on Dub. I'd rather actually do the emails through Dub. Number one, I get the notifications. I see them interacting. You have the nice little home screen. I can click on the button. Hopefully, I can get them. I haven't gotten anybody yet to actually leave me a video response yet, but hopefully that happens. And that's where I really want to see Dub at its best. You know, could we upload the video to other platforms? Yes. But those other platforms don't let me know that there's actual activity. So I love that through Dub, through the notifications, I'm able to see everybody and how they're walking through 
my intro sequence. So I'm, I'm taking that, tweaking the intro sequence of the words through the videos and really trying to use that to change what I'm going to be doing moving forward with everything. As a technology coach, somebody who works in a school district to help out teachers, I'm going to be using Dub to send out quick videos. You know, the fact that you've got a free Chrome extension that works and you can quickly record a video. I know exactly when you hit that video and when you open up that email, as opposed to me putting it into Google Drive or me sticking it onto a, a YouTube or something. I don't know if you've hit that. Another good example is I have a client who uh, was asking me a ton of SEO type questions. I made a 10 minute video with all these screens and everything and put it up on Dub, sent it to my client. And I knew, I knew she only listened to like 15% of the video because your analytics are awesome. So when I was speaking with the client, I, I had the opportunity to say, oh, did you happen to see at the end of the video? And the client said, oh, yeah, I did. I'm like, no. No, I know how far you got into it. I know because it gives you geography data. So I love the analytics to it. And I'm looking forward to when school year starts popping up an entire series of, you know, here's Google Apps 101 and here's Podcasting 101. And so that's what I'm working on right now to actually take advantage of the whole dub system. I think it's fantastic. Well, that's great to hear. You know, it's a work in progress. You know, it's we're building the plane as we fly it. We actually have some really exciting news that's coming out, which is, I can't wait to get your feedback on this kind of new aspect of it, specific to you know real-time communication. I don't want to give away too much, but I'll I'll plant that seed. But I'll make sure you're one of the early adopters of it. I would love to. There's so much potential. I mean, sir, I'm not just saying that because we're doing the show, but there's just so much potential for a system like that that also then gives you the analytics to it. For me, the analytics is still in the system, no doubt, and that's the educator talking and that's the marketer talking. Well, okay. So speaking of analytics, it sounds like you really have a technical grasp on a stack of software of tools that you use to run your business. And you mentioned you use the word we, well, I would argue that it is a we for you because it's you and technology and infrastructure that you've built. And it's, you know, sometimes our team is comprised of, of ones and zeros and tech. So give us some tips on, you know, a good stack that someone can use a CRM of some podcast stuff. Like what's the tech that you use? Oh, my big advice for anybody, and I'll, I'll get into specific applications, is find applications that allow you to make templates. You know, yes. my podcasting workflow is very, very simple. I record through an application called Wirecast because I like the application. I stick it right into Final Cut. And within 10 minutes, I can have an hour long podcast done, edited out. And one of the games that I like to play is, can I actually have the podcast fully edited before I say goodbye to my guest? And Final Cut allows me to do that. It's instant rendering. It's all visual. Even if I'm doing an audio podcast, I record everything in video because I can see where the mistakes are much more than if I just had a long audio file. I wouldn't know where the mistakes are. So just my little tip and trick when I'm recording, I always do video. And if there is a mistake, I'll go like this to my camera. If you can't see, I'm putting a piece of paper in front of the screen. So that way, when I stick it into Final Cut, I can actually see where those points are and I can quickly do the edits. Oh, got it. So I stress to any podcaster, new or old or experienced or whatever, record in video. You're saving yourself time, so much time. I'm a Microsoft trainer and a Google trainer, so you always take advantage of your Google apps and your OneDrives and all those great things. And I'm a huge WordPress guy. And so everything I do is designed around the website. I've, I always think about the website as a digital hub and all of my social media pulls off of it. All of my marketing campaigns pull off of it. All my newsletter pulls off of it. You know, if I'm going to keep going, I, I use CoSchedule constantly and I use ConvertKit for my marketing. 
So I try to automate as much as I can, but there's also a lot of psychology and especially teacher psychology when you're dealing with marketing to educators and how you present different pieces of content and where you present different pieces of content. I, I never thought of we being mean in technology. I'm actually thinking a lot about that since you said it, but there's a lot to teacher cast, but the reality is I rarely touch it until after eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night when the kids are in bed. It's not my full-time job. It is a passion project and it's not something I make my living off of. It's a service that I give to the community. And I think of every podcast that I do as a service that I give to the community. And so I just love being able to put myself and the network in a position to continue to do so into the future. Love that. Yeah. So one of the things that we're doing for our podcast is we have Shannon, our kind of producer creator, he actually built an Adobe After Effects template where we drop an MP4 file similar to this one. Mm -hmm. And then it actually, I don't know if you saw the last one that I dropped, but it automatically generates a waveform which is really interesting because it's the video, but then it's the waveforms that are sort of moving around. And it's actually one of the waveform animations is our logo. So it's kind of a branded thing, but we've gotten some positive feedback on that. You know, what is your take on sharing podcasts in the video format? For example, this one right here, we are shooting a video. How is it most valuable or should we just pursue all options? I think you should pursue all options. You know, every audience is different. For the longest time, I was taking all of my audio shows and putting them up on YouTube as video. Because when you record through Wirecast, you're basically doing a television pro program. Why not just do it both? You realize that you're not getting a lot of like, you know, people don't generally go to YouTube and watch talking heads unless it's something like ESPN or CNN or something like that. Right. Like you're, you're not watching two podcasters talk for an hour. I've seen a lot of success. I've seen a lot of not success of people putting the audio on YouTube and then throwing a bumper over top. You know, there's some great applications that you can subscribe to that, that give you that feature. What I've found is just make good content. You know, my video stuff is now going up on YouTube. My audio stuff is going out on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, all those different things. If there is something special, I'll stick it up on YouTube. For instance, when I was working with a net tech company, we would take some of the interview and I would put it up on YouTube as a teaser to then hopefully get people to come back to the website where I would have an entire blog post of, you know, how to on the application and stuff like that. So really, it's about knowing your analytics. You know, the success is kind of in knowing your numbers. I don't believe success is your numbers, but I believe success is knowing your numbers and knowing where people cut off. One of the things that I love saying, and I don't, you know, kind of a weird way of putting this, but the average person listens to a YouTube video for about 30 seconds. But the average person listens to a teacher cast video for about 18 minutes. And I look at that and I go, okay, what am I doing right? When am I doing it wrong? But mostly I'm looking at that going, how do I get that to 24 minutes? What do I need to do? You know, where in the conversation is that lull? Or where in the, in the training video am I not getting people to that next hump? You might get a kick out of this. But for a while there, I was doing a show where it was me and a guy from California and he had a puppet. And every time I felt the conversation dipping in the subject matter, we would bring in the puppet and that would kind of help energize our conversation to get us to that next hump. So there's a lot of stuff that we can learn from each other. And there's a lot of stuff that we can learn from these different statistic points. But, you know, most people think of podcasts as being an audio format and most people think of tutorials being a video format. So that's kind of what I've changed myself to over the last couple of months. Well, speaking of video, you've seen a number of our YouTube videos. Oh, and, you know, we obviously put <laughs> a lot of production into those. It's a, yeah. it's a whole process. But it's a very lean process. You know, we don't have a crew. It's a, it's a sort of a road mic on top of the camera. And, you know, there's sort of, I'd say, minimal story, but like a lot of content. What, what's your take on that? Just for I, everyone so that people know it's Dub App on YouTube. 
I want to see the third camera. There's got to be somebody who's standing in front of you while you're skateboarding, having a conversation with a guy on the camera who's walking close to you. Like, I would love to just be a fly on the wall in, on Hollywood Boulevard to see what you guys are doing out there because, you know, you've got a niche there, right? Two or three guys out in the middle of California talking about these amazing subjects. And I love it when the people are actually interacting with you and saying hi to the camera and you're interacting back. It's a different style of video than the traditional YouTube video, but you're giving out good content that we all need to listen to, especially when it comes to email marketing and, and all those different kinds of things. You're presenting it in a way that's keeping my attention to the end of the video. And, you know, there's videos that you've put out that I've watched a couple times and there's videos that you put out that didn't interest me at all. But I watched the end of it because, again, you're on a skateboard in the middle of the street. I'm waiting for something to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's giving me it's giving me something to, again, subscribe to and to share. So I, you know, I love anybody who's doing things a little bit differently. I think there's some great YouTubers out there, but I'm kind of getting tired of watching the same professionally designed. You know, I'm in my house. I'm talking to the camera directly and I'm making funny. Fa I, there's so many of those out there. I'm starting to become a little numb to it. And I've been looking for something that's a little bit different visually challenging. And I got to tell you, you know, running down the hall on a skateboard, it's working. Yeah. Well, I was, I was a skateboarder in, in high school, so I'm going back to my roots, I suppose. But, <laughs> but, but really, I think my intention was a lot of it actually comes from our desire to educate. And there's so much information. There's frankly so many failures that we can pull from, you know, experiments that we've tried, campaigns that we've built out, you know, things that we've sort of picked up along the way. Because my background is, as I mentioned, it's technology, it's marketing automation. You know, I've worked with little tiny companies that you've never heard of that disappeared into the ether and, you know, really large enterprise company with thousands of employees. So I've had a little bit of a diverse background and I've seen people make a lot of mistakes, of course, many of which I've made myself. So a lot of that actually comes from this very deep place. And our intention, of course, is just to really help people in their process with their business to grow and so on and so forth. And then, of course, in a true kind of L.A. fashion and frankly, something that's very fun for us, we decided to add this vlog transportational man versus society like interacting with humans the wisdom of the crowds and all these sort of elements that we kind of pull and pluck from in a very sort of unscripted way so it's i think really at the core of it it's just a lot of fun for us to do and you mentioned earlier that most podcasts they drop after i think seven or eight podcasts and the reason for that is because i think it's people are bored they're not committed and they don't really know what to say. So I think that, you know, we sort of went into this a little bit of a selfish way where how can we have fun, but then also provide a ton of value to people. So, you know, it's a process and it's been fun. I think you're absolutely right on with that. And it looks like you guys are having fun. And I'm just sitting here on your YouTube channel now looking around and I'm seeing the evolution of your bumpers. I'm seeing the evolution of your titles. I'm seeing the evolution of how it works. And you could see that if you look at the channel closely, the stuff that you're not talking about, what can we learn from that? I mean, I again, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show here, but, you know, the idea that they're all the same. They all now have the orange background. They're all not canned like here's my logo and here's a couple words i mean they're all professionally looking bumpers we yeah. watch youtube videos with our eyes before we hit the play button mm. and that's an important thing for us to remember plus your channel you call it the daily dub i know that every single day i want to go back and check on things now that also puts pressure on you guys yeah okay but yeah. i'm seeing that you guys have that and you know 
if anybody's going to be looking at these different, you know, ed tech companies and, and technology companies, it's about, again, people. You know, you look at your YouTube channel. You are in the people business. You're communicating with people. You're helping people tell their story. You're building a brand that's all about storytelling. Yeah, marketing's in there. Yeah, all those different things. But you're helping me as the content creator tell my story and interact with, could be grandma, could be aunts and uncles, could also be future clients who are also educators, right? So, you know, again, for everybody there, figure out a way to tell your story and figure out the shortest road that you need to do that. Love it. Very cool. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time. This is a lot of fun. This is a great conversation. I learned a lot from this. I did too. And by the way, for anybody that's listening, you know, I'm looking forward to having you and your team on TeacherCast. We're going to set that up in the next couple of days here. So I'm totally looking forward to that. And if you want more information, you know, you can go over to TeacherCast.net. And if you're looking for more information about marketing and email stuff, I've got a great channel called BuildYourEDUBrand.com. We're just getting started, but that's really where we're going to have you guys come on and we're going to do a show on how do you build that brand? How do you use the technology to build that brand? And what does it all mean? And how do you do it on a skateboard? So check all that stuff out over on teachercast.net in the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much, Jeff. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much.